Well, good morning. I want to say good morning to those who are at our Sugarloaf campus, those who are at our Mill Creek campus, those who are watching online, those who will be watching by TV. I have to be honest, I'm really excited every time I get up to preach, but I don't think in all of my years of ministry I've ever, ever been more excited about a message than I am this message. And here, let me tell you why. There are words and there are messages that are life-changing. For example, I do is a life-changing statement. Because those words are meant to seal a relationship with a person that you hope you'll love until death do you part. I'm pregnant is a life-changing statement because you are never the same once you become a parent and you learn that the agony of children lead to the glory of grandchildren. (laughs) I want a divorce is a life-changing message. It changes the lives of the two people that are involved the children that are involved, family and friends that are involved. Everybody's life changes, and I can bear witness because I've experienced it. It changes for the worst, not for the best. We find the defendant guilty is a life-changing statement. You hear those words, it may put you behind bars for many years, the rest of your life, or it may even cause you to face the death penalty. There are a lot of messages and a lot of words that can change the life of an individual, of a family, of a nation, of a community. But almost every message that you can think of will only change a life temporarily. But there is one message, only one, that has been given in the history of the world that can change your life permanently and change your life eternally. It is the only message I've ever heard that has both an earthly effect and an eternal effect. It is the only message that can take you from death to life, from darkness to life, to light, and from blindness to sight. The only message. And it's really known simply as one we've heard over and over and over, which is the gospel. The gospel is the best news the world has ever heard or ever will hear. Let me tell you why. The gospel is the only solution to the world's greatest problem. The gospel is the only cure for the world's greatest sickness. The gospel is the only bridge that can cross the world's greatest gulf. It is the X factor, which is the series we've been in for a couple of weeks. It is the X factor that was the spark that ignited the fire of Christianity that spread across the world and is still reverberating today and still burning brightly in every continent on the planet and has changed the lives of over 2 billion people. Now, having said all of that, you would think that the people who have received the gospel and believed the gospel would want the gospel to achieve a worldwide hearing. You you would think that a gospel-changed life would be as eager to share the gospel as someone who has discovered the cure for cancer. And yet every statistic that I've ever read says that the vast majority of people who have received the gospel and believe the gospel rarely, if ever, share the gospel that the vast majority of people rarely ever lead anyone else to believe the gospel that they believe. I I was in Florida this uh, past week and I flew back on Friday and I took an Uber from where I was staying to to the airport. And I got in the car, the Uber driver's name was uh, Daniel, nice guy. We got in the car and remember I told you last week I practiced permission evangelism. And very rarely does this happen 
But I got in the car, we were talking, and, I, and uh, Daniel said, what do you do? And I told him I was a pastor. And I said, Daniel, do you mind talking about spiritual things? He said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, okay, that's fine. We won't talk about spiritual things, and I, and I, I respect that, and that's fine. So that's why I want you to know I practice what I preach. It's real easy to do that. 98 out of 100 people will tell you they don't mind. There's some that do. So I said, okay. So then we rolled along a little bit, and I said, hey, I'm not trying to get back into the spiritual part, but I am a pastor. Could I ask you a pastoral survey question? He said, yeah. I said, how long have you been, driving, been an Uber driver? He said, for one year. I said, do you know how many patients, how many uh, a clients you picked up in a year. He says, as a matter of fact, I keep a very um, a meticulous records. He said, in the last year, I picked up over 2,300 people. I said, I just got a question. Out of 2,300 people, did anyone ever talk to you about Jesus, ever share the gospel, or ever try to initiate a spiritual conversation? He looked at me and said, you're the first one. And I thought to myself, Jesus wept. Now, you know out of 23, let's be conservative. Well, this is the, you know, we're not in New York or Montana. This is the Bible Belt, right? You know out of 2,300 people, let's be super conservative. Let's say only one out of four of those people believed in Jesus. Only one of four of those people received the gospel. So 600 people, I'm the first one that ever cared enough to even see if we could discuss spiritual things. That leads me to beg a question, to ask a question. Why would anybody be ashamed of the gospel? Well, why would anybody be ashamed of the gospel? Now, that's the question that a man by the name of Paul, whose life was personally, radically, eternally changed by the gospel, addressed in the single greatest statement I've ever read that anybody's ever made about the gospel. If you brought a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn to a book called Romans, all right? It's, it's the uh, sixth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. I want you to turn to Romans chapter one. I want you to listen to these words. And by the way, when we put them up on the screen, if you're a believer, this is one of those verses, every Christian ought to memorize this verse. So I'm, in fact, I'm gonna give you an assignment. If you don't memorize any other verse this year, I'm gonna ask you to memorize this verse. It's the greatest statement ever made about the gospel. Romans chapter one, verse 16. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Greek. We've got time this morning in this service. I want you to say this with me together. Everybody say it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Now look, one of two things is true. You believe that or you don't. Now, if you don't believe it, I get it. I understand why you'd keep your mouth shut and never tell anybody about it. However, if you believe what Paul just said, why would we ever be ashamed of the gospel? It is shocking that Paul would even say he is not ashamed of the gospel because if what Paul just told us about the gospel is true, why would anybody be ashamed of it? Now, let's all get honest, including this guy right here. We've all been ashamed of the gospel at times. Can I, can I get a hand to that? Yeah, we all have. I'm, I'm with you. 
We've all had chances to share and we kept our mouth shut. We all had chances to, 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 to talk and to proclaim the gospel and we didn't do it. We've all been ashamed of the gospel at one time or another. As a matter of fact, we're living in a day, and this breaks my heart, we're living in a day when we seem to be ashamed of things that are right and unashamed of things that are wrong. Well, I'm gonna share with you a conviction. I believe that more than ever in the history of this entire world, there is one thing we should never be ashamed of in private conversation or public discourse, whether we're preaching to the choir or proclaiming to the culture, whether we're in God's house or the courthouse, whether we're between the walls of the church or in the halls of the government. I believe there's one thing we should never be ashamed of, and that is the gospel that brings salvation to all people who believe. We should never, ever be ashamed of the gospel. And I want to share with you today three things that the gospel always brings to the table, well, of which we should never, ever be ashamed, okay? Number one, we should be unashamed of the simple message of the gospel. We should be unashamed of the simple message of the gospel. Now, Paul begins by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, before we understand what Paul was saying, we need to understand what we're not to be ashamed of. Dwight, w, Dwight L. Moody, who was the famous evangelist, the kind of the, he, he was the, kind of the Billy Graham of the 19th century, Dwight L. Moody said, he said, I do not think there is a word in the English language so little understood as the word gospel. I believe that's true. I believe you could go out on the street, you could ask the people right here in the buckle belt of Georgia, what is the gospel? You could ask 10 different people, you probably would get 10 different answers. So what do we mean by the gospel? Well, let's go all the way back to where the word originally came from. Thousands of years ago, originally, it was a word that was used at a specific time for a specific reason at a specific place. The place would be the village square where a community would gather. The time would be after a great battle had been fought and won. And the reason why that it was proclaimed is so the herald could come back and scream at the top of his lungs, I've got good news. The war is over. We've won every battle. Victory is Hours. That was what they called the gospel. It was all about good news. It was all about winning a battle. It was all about being victorious in a war. So that raises the question. If the gospel, whatever it is, is good news, why would anyone ever be ashamed of good news? Well, why would we hesitate? Why would we equivocate when it comes to sharing the good news, which I believe is the best news anyone would ever hear? See, look, I understand why we don't want to share bad news. I, I get that. I mean, you can understand why, you know, no military officer wants to share the bad news with some parents that their son's been killed in action. I get that. No police officer wants to share with a parent that their son or daughter's been arrested for murder. No doctor wants to, you know, looks forward to telling the patient that the tumor is inoperable. I, I get all that. But here's the problem. The gospel's not about bad news. The gospel's good news. Why, why would you hesitate about sharing the good news? You know, if the baby's healthy, the father's not ashamed to pass out the cigars. If the tumor's benign, the doctor's not ashamed to tell the patient, hey, you're gonna live. If, 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 when the sun's going to shine, the weather person's not ashamed to make his prediction. When interest rates are going down and the stock market is going up, stockbrokers are not afraid to talk about the economy. 
Why would we ever be ashamed of the gospel when it's all about good news? Well, let me answer the question. If you go back 2,000 years, there are, two thousand, there are two words that might explain the tendency why it was kind of easy for people to be ashamed of the gospel. And by the way, it's still true today. The reason they might have been ashamed 2,000 years ago is the reason we might be ashamed today. And those two words are Christ and the cross. Christ and cross. There are two reasons that you might think, well, I think I understand why we might be ashamed because think about it. Here's what the gospel's all about. You ready? It's all about this poor, no-named Jewish carpenter who came from a hick town who was crucified as a common criminal. He's just a nobody. Now, back in the day, to talk about crucifixion was so vulgar. It wasn't even talked about publicly. It was just one of those things you just didn't bring up in public. So here is Paul. He's about to go to the most powerful nation in the world. He's about to stand before the most powerful military leaders, the most powerful political leaders in the world. And he's going to talk to them, not just about crucifixion, but a crucified Jew at that. So let me get this straight. You're telling me that this good news that you want to share with me is about a Jew and not just a Jew, but a crucified Jew? You mean a crucified Jew who not only died the most cruel, ignominious, gruesome death that, was, that you could imagine, but it was reserved for the most vile of criminals. Yeah, that's what I want to tell you. Oh, by the way, it gets better. This Jewish criminal came back from the dead. Yeah, maybe I don't want to share that. Because then came the coup de grace. If this Christ is who he said he was, and if he did what he said he did, and if he did come back from the grave, then not only is he the crucified God, he is the only way to God because he is God. And see, then and now, that's the message the world doesn't want to hear. Because what are we here today? Let me get this straight. So you're telling me the good news of the gospel is there was this no-name Jew from a hick town that got himself crucified. He died the violent death, ignominious, shameful, gory death of a common criminal. And then you're telling me he came back from the grave. And on top of all that, you're telling me if that is true, he is the only way to God. And everybody's got to get in line and they got to get in line behind him. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. And you know what you're going to hear today? Bigot intolerant, fundamentalist, narrow-minded. And yet Paul said, maybe, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And the reason why Paul was not ashamed of the gospel message is because he was not ashamed of the gospel master. Now, I'm gonna make some of you very uncomfortable, but that's my job. If I were to ask you, are you ashamed of Jesus? I don't think there's a person in this room, if you know Jesus, you say, well, of course I'm not ashamed of Jesus. One of two things is true. If you're not ashamed of the gospel master, you won't be ashamed of the gospel message. If you're ashamed of the gospel message, it's because you're ashamed of the gospel master. You can't have it both ways.
Paul said, they may not like it. They may not want to hear it. It might even get me killed, which in the end that it did. But I am not ashamed of the gospel. I read a story, the true story. There was a man that went to prison early in life for some unbelievably terrible things that he had done. And he served a fairly long prison sentence, but while he was in prison, somebody shared the gospel with him and he was born again and God saved him and God called him into the ministry. He went online, he got a degree in, in Bible and a seminary degree uh, in theology. So after he was released, he was called to a small little church. Well, he just decided it would be, you know, best if he just didn't share his past with anybody. And so he thought, you know, he could kind of get away with that. Well, it just so happened there was some in the, someone in the community that happened to recognize his name and they knew what he had done and they wrote him a letter in part because a part of his family had been hurt by some of the, these things this man did. And the man wrote the letter to the pastor and here's what he said. If you don't resign your church this Sunday, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to reveal everything you are and I'm going to reveal everything you've done and I'm going to expose you to the entire church. Well, it just devastated this man, as you can imagine. And he took this man at his word and he believed it would happen. So Sunday came and the pastor got up and he immediately told this church about this letter. And then he came clean. He confessed his past. He confessed everything he had done. He had confessed all the terrible things that had got him thrown into prison. But then with tears coming down his cheeks, he said this. He said, I am ashamed of everything I have done to Jesus. But I am not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me, and I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. Now, I want to tell you something. If you love Jesus, that ought to be the attitude of your heart. I'm ashamed of what I've done to Jesus, and I am. I'm a speaking person. I am ashamed of things, but I am not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me, and I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. We ought to be unashamed of the simple message of the gospel. Paul says there's a second reason we should be unashamed of the gospel. We should be unashamed of the supernatural might of the gospel. Not just the simple message. We ought to be unashamed of the supernatural might of the gospel. The verse continues. I am not ashamed of the gospel because, say this with me, it is the power of God. So what is the gospel? It is the power of God. Now you think about this. Except for Jesus Christ himself. I'm gonna share something with you I bet you didn't know. Except for Jesus Christ himself. You read the Bible from beginning to end. Nothing else is ever described as having the power of God except the gospel. Jesus Christ and the gospel are the only two things in the Bible that claim to have the power of God. In light of heaven itself, the power of God in its highest and greatest intensity is found inside the gospel. Now, let me tell you why there's no power greater than the gospel. You ready? There is no power greater than the gospel because there is no greater power than God and the gospel is the power of God. There's no greater power than the gospel because there's no greater power than God and, God and the gospel is the power of God. See, we're living in a world today that believes that the greatest power ever known to man is nuclear power. As a matter of fact, I was reading the other day, I, I, this is fascinating to me. I was reading the other day about the most powerful bomb that's ever been exploded in history. I bet none of you know this. So this will be worth coming for, okay? This is the most powerful bomb ever exploded in history. The Russians 
On October the 30th, 1961, they detonated a bomb that they, they called Tsar Bomba. We, we call it outside of Russia. It's known as Soviet RDS-220. And I want you to listen to this. This bomb weighed 60,000 pounds. Okay, so just imagine that. The bomb weighed 60,000 pounds. It was so powerful <clears throat> that when it was dropped, they told the pilots, you only have a 50% chance of surviving. You've got a 50-50 chance. This bomb will probably kill you as well. When it exploded, you could see the bomb and the explosion from 620 miles away. The cloud of that bomb went 40 miles high, seven times the height of Mount Everest. Now, this blew my mind. It released a power equivalent to 50 megatons of TNT. Let me tell you how powerful that is. Take the atomic bomb that we dropped on Hiroshima. Take the atomic bomb that we dropped on Nagasaki. That one bomb was 1,000 570 times more powerful than both of those bombs put together. And if that doesn't put it in perspective, take all of the conventional bombs that were dropped in World War II, everywhere from the Pacific to Europe, take every single conventional bomb that was exploded by all the armies, by all sides in World War II. This one bomb had 10 times the power of all the conventional bombs that were dropped in World War II. I was amazed. I said, I've never heard of anything that powerful. And then it hit me. A nuclear bomb has the power to instantly blow the hearts out of a million people and bring instant death. But the gospel has the power to blow the sin out of the hearts of the entire world and bring eternal life. There is no power like the gospel. The gospel alone has the power to bring healing where there's hurt. It alone has the power to bring heaven where there's hell. It alone has the power to bring heaviness where there's, where there's heartache. It alone has the power to bring peace where there's perplexity, joy where there's judgment, mercy where there is misery, and grace where there's guilt. You think about this. The combined messages of every religion in the world doesn't have the power of the gospel. Take the message of Buddhism. Take the message of Judaism. Take the message of Hinduism. Take the message of Islam. Take the message of every religion in the world and put them together. And all put together, they do not have the power of the gospel. Let me tell you why. All these other messages that are out there, they will tell you what you have to do what you have to accomplish, where you have to go. If you want to have any hope of being right with God or any hope of having eternal life or any hope of any life beyond this life, they'll say, okay, if you want that, you got to do this, you got to go there, you got to accomplish this. And then the gospel comes along. And the gospel not only tells you to fly, it gives you wings. And the gospel not only says you have to jump, it gives you legs. And the gospel not only says you've got to walk, it gives you feet. Only the gospel has the power to enable you to do what the gospel tells you to do. Only the gospel has the power to do for us what needs to be done for us. Only the gospel has the power to do in us what needs to be done in us. Only the gospel has the power to do for us what needs to be done 
for us. Dr. Billy Graham, as you know, recently passed. And of course, now a lot of things that he said are being brought to light because people want to know more. In fact, I was playing golf with one of my best buddies yesterday and, and uh, goes to our church. And he said, hey, doc, he said, I want you to tell me something about it. He said, I don't, I don't really know much about Billy Graham. I got saved later in life. And I want you to kind of tell me, and I recommended, you know, told him about a book or two to read. And, and uh, so everybody's kind of wanting to know about Billy Graham. Well, Dr. Billy Graham said something, and I thought, this is so good. I want you to know what Dr. Graham said. He said, I would not cross the street to talk to anybody about religion. But I would cross the world to talk to somebody about the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. We ought to be unashamed of the supernatural might of the gospel. Shame on us for having the most powerful force in the history of this planet and keeping it in a bottle, plugging it up, and never ever letting it loose. We ought to be unashamed of the gospel, the simple message. We ought to be unashamed of the gospel, the supernatural might. And then here's the last thing. We should be unashamed of the saving ministry of the gospel. Now listen to what Paul says. He goes on to say this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, now let's read these words together, that brings salvation. Say it again. That brings salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, uh, gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. Now let me stop right here and tell you this to you. Everybody who has ever lived or ever will live has the same problem. Now, I'm gonna say something to you that may offend some of you, and if, I, if it does offend you, you're just proving my point anyway. You know what I'm looking at right now? Do you know who I'm preaching to right now? People I can't see, including me now. I'm looking at a bunch of jacked up people. You're jacked up. I'm jacked up. We're all jacked up. And we live in a jacked up world. Because I can ask you a question. How many of us have made mistakes in the past? Unanimous vote. How many of us deal with failures in the present? Unanimous vote. How many of us face uncertainty of the future? Because we don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold. Unanimous vote. I mean, everywhere you look, there's guilt and there's grief and there's gloom. We're, we're like a swimmer in the middle of an ocean clinging to a raft. We're like a prisoner on death row facing a certain execution. We're like, a, we're like an astronaut entering the atmosphere, but the heat shield is gone. And I'll tell you something I know that's true about every person I've ever met or ever will meet. It's true about me. It's true about you. It's true about every person that draws a breath today. We all need healing for our past. We all need help for our present. We all need hope for the future. So I want to ask you a question, and if you can answer it, I'll give you the freedom to do something we normally don't do. You stand up and speak out loud because I'd like to know the answer to this question. Can anybody tell me anything that is more important than salvation? And I, 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 listen, I'm really open-minded. I, I want the truth. Can you tell me of anything that is more important than salvation? If we do have things we've done wrong in the past and we are living with failures in the present, and we do face this uncertain future, then you tell me, is there anything, anything more important than salvation? Yeah, you can die with wealth, and a lot of people do. 
You can die with fame, and a lot of people do. You can die with power, and a lot of people do. You can die with position, and a lot of people do. But what good is it if you don't die with salvation? What does it matter? That's why I want to tell you today, there is nothing sweeter, there's nothing better, and there's nothing greater than the gospel. There is nothing better, sweeter, or greater than the gospel. You know why? Hollywood can make you famous. Wall Street can make you rich. Washington can make you powerful. The university can make you smart. The hospital can make you well. But only the gospel can get you saved. There's nothing better. There's nothing greater. There's nothing sweeter than the gospel. Some of you are old enough to remember. I am. I remember where I was. When the United States beat the Russians in Olympic hockey in 1980. Some of you may remember that. I remember. If you had y'all go watch it, it's great. Well, I mean, we, nobody gave us a chance. The Russians were professionals. We were amateurs. They were the most powerful team in the world. They had never lost the gold medal in the Olympics. And here is the underdog, and we beat them. And Al Michaels made one of the most famous calls in history at the, at the end. You may remember, he made this statement. He said, three, two, one. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. I hate to burst Al's bubble. That wasn't a miracle. It was just a win. There's nothing miraculous about a hockey puck going into a net. No, I'm, I'm sorry. It wasn't a miracle. It was just a win. However, I do believe in miracles. You say, well, why? Because the greatest miracle the world has ever seen is still taking place today, and that is salvation. And that is why the gospel is the greatest power in the world, because it takes the greatest power to perform the greatest miracle. Now, some of you may be saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me get this right. What did you just say? I said that the greatest miracle in the world is salvation. When one person goes from darkness to light and death to life and from self to Christ. It is the greatest miracle in the world and it takes the greatest power to perform the greatest miracle. You say, okay, tell me where you get that reasoning. It's real simple. To part the Red Sea, all God had to do was snap his fingers. To make something out of nothing, all God had to do was open his mouth and speak. To go from complete darkness to total light, all God had to do was flip a switch. But to bring salvation, God had to send his son to die on a cross and come back from the dead so you and I could experience the power of God in the gospel unto salvation. That's why I'm going to make a bold statement, but I stand by it. That's why at any given moment, at any given time, at any given place, no matter what time of day or night it is, there is nothing more important going on in the world right now than wherever and whenever and to whomever the gospel is being preached. 
The best news of all is this salvation is available to who? To all who believe. Listen to this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now let's read this together. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Now why did Paul say this? Because here, let me tell you something, make it real easy. We think there are a lot of different races in the world and there are a lot of different ethnicities and there's a lot of different this and there's a lot of different that. That's the way we see it. No, the way God sees it's real simple. There are only two classes of people in the world. This is a pop quiz. If you don't get it right, you're from Auburn or Florida or Tennessee, okay? There are only two classes of people in the world. Somebody tell me, this is an open book test. Who are the two classes? Jews and Gentiles. Let me tell you something I know about everybody I meet. You're one or the other. No matter who it is, doesn't matter. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care where you're born. I don't care what language you speak. I know you are either a Jew or you're a Gentile. That includes everybody. And the reason why Paul said this is this. He said the gospel is for everybody. Because if the gospel is not for everybody, it's not for anybody. Did you hear me? If the gospel is not for everybody, it's not for anybody. And it is for everybody because everybody can believe themselves into salvation. If salvation were for sale, some people would be too poor to buy it. If salvation was by effort, some people would be able to, to, to do it. If salvation were by going to a certain place, some people could never get there. But everybody can believe unto salvation. And what Paul was saying was the gospel truly is colorblind. It really is amazing grace for every race. If you're a Jew, you can believe. If you're a Gentile, you believe. And that's why I agree with my friend, David Platt, who was here recently. I agree with David Platt, who said, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. That's so good, I'm gonna say it again. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side side of hell. There was a pastor, I, you may, some of you have heard him, probably not, his name was Bob Russell, that's not important. But, but Bob Russell told the story, true story. He was preaching in a church in California and he met this Jewish man who had become a Christian in an unbelievable way. This, this will be worth coming to church for today. This, this Jewish man had gone to a seminar and he's here, one of the best friends I ever had, some of you have heard of him, one of the best motivational speakers that ever came along, his name was Zig Ziglar. If you don't know who Zig Ziglar is, you ought to look him up. Zig was a fantastic motivational speaker and one of my dearest, dearest friends. And so he was in the sales business, um, this, this Jewish man was. So there was this big sales convention and, and Zig was the keynote speaker. And so he was so excited to hear, you know, his hero. And he finally got up the courage to go and meet, you know, meet him personally, got to, got to go up and, and shake his hand. Well, as he came back uh, to some of his friends that were with him, he said, uh, you know what? They said, what? He said, well, I got to meet Zig Ziglar. He said, that, they said, that's great. They said, man, Zig really likes me. And they said, really? They said, um, well, how do you know? They said, well, he invited me up to his room. They said, no way. He said, yeah, he invited me up to his room. They said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he gave me his card, and on his back of his card, he wrote down R.M., 116. He said, he, he's in room 116. And, and, and one of the guys who was a Christian, one of his buddies said, that's not his room number. 
That's a Bible verse. He said, what? He said, yeah, it's a Bible verse. He said, what Bible verse? He said, it's Romans 1, 16. He said, really? So this Jewish man goes back to his hotel room, opens up the drawer. There was a Gideon Bible in the drawer. He opens up that Bible. He finds Romans 1, 16, and he reads it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to everyone who believes. And then he read these words, to the Jew first. The guy thinks to himself, well, I'm a Jew. So maybe I need to find out what this gospel is all about. He started reading his Bible. He started in Genesis. Did something a lot of Christians have never done. He read the Bible completely through, not once, but twice. At the end of the second reading, he put his Bible down and he got on his knees and he said, quote, this is the best news I've ever heard. And on his knees, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't know how I'm going to die. What I mean by that is I don't know could buy a heart attack, stroke, you know. Uh, I can tell you this, if Georgia had won that game in January, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm telling you, I'd have died right there. I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't. But I don't mean physically when I say this. I'll tell you how I do want to die. And you remember this the day that you hear I'm gone. I want to die unashamed. And I want to die unafraid. I want to die unashamed of the gospel. And I want to die unafraid of death. I want to look death and grave right in the eye and I want to say, death, you have no sting. And grave, you have no victory. And we can all die that way because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.